And a warm welcome to those who are listening online, catching up um, after missing today's talk as well. So today we are continuing our series in um, the Ten Commandments, which obviously get quite a bad rep uh, in our culture today. So we've been really enjoying seeing how actually it's God's instructions for, for free people how to live in the freedom that they have been granted by God. So um, uh, we've been really enjoying that. We have uh, John Roger here, who is the Associate Minister at Stranmillis Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's John's first time, so be kind to him. Uh, smile and nod encouragingly uh, during his talk. Um, so without further ado, why don't I uh, lead us in a prayer and then read the passage. Father God, thank you for gathering us here today, and thank you for this opportunity to hear how um, free people uh, should live in the freedom that you have given to us uh, in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for rescuing us, and thank you for speaking to us and instructing us how we can live to please you. We pray, please, that you might help us to apply this to our workplaces, and pray that um, together we might... uh, I glorify you in our workplaces. Amen. Right, so hopefully on your tables you'll have the printout. So Exodus 20, and I'll read the first 11 verses. And God spoke all of these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is with, within your gates. For, six, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, it's really good to be with you this afternoon, and thanks to Sam and the rest of the committee for the invitation to be here. I, um, I want to just start by asking you a question. Are you looking forward to St. Patrick's Day. You're looking forward to St. Patrick's Day. 
Uh, I imagine that maybe you are. I used to work across the road in Deloitte, uh, just over the road there, and I always used to really look forward to St. Patrick's Day because it would be the first day of, of leave that I'd have all year. I'd be trying to save my annual leave as far into the year as possible, not get too stuck into it at the start of the calendar year. I don't know if you've got any traditions on St. Patrick's Day, if you go to see the parade outside City Hall, or if you meet up with friends or family and do something every year, or if you're more just like me, sort of lazy about the house and just enjoy the time off. But in theory, the reason that St. Patrick's Day exists is it's a day when we're freed, isn't it, from our normal occupations, and we remember what St. Patrick did in bringing Christianity to our land. And in that, in that sense, it's a day that's different It's a day that's set apart. It's a day that there's something special about. Now, the fourth commandment is a little bit different from that. We're not thinking about St. Patrick, but we're thinking about God himself. It's not something that takes place once a year, but it's something that God has ordained to be once a week. Uh, And yet the principle in the fourth commandment really is quite similar to the principle in St. Patrick's Day, the Sabbath. Sunday, as we now observe it, is a day that is holy, a day that is set apart, a day that's special for God. That's what we read there. Uh, Tom read to us in verse 11. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's what it means to be holy. It means that God set that day apart. He marked it out. He put a ring around it on his calendar. There is something special about Sundays. Now, right from the, off, from the out, outset and from, from the off, I want you to see that that in itself is something that's wonderfully freeing. Sunday is a day that is, we're freed, not to venerate someone in the past, but we're freed to worship Almighty God week after week after week. And so the question for us uh, this afternoon then is, how can we keep the Sabbath day holy as we are commanded to here in this commandment? And I want to suggest that there's, there's three things, there's three ways that we do that in particular. The first is that the, the Sabbath day is for resting. It's for resting. God has freed us from our work one day a week. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about where a week comes from. You probably have. You've probably heard this illustration in other sermons that you've heard on the Sabbath. But scientifically, we know, don't we, that uh, a day is the time that it takes the earth to rotate on its axes. Months are mapped out from the lunar cycle and they follow the, the cycle of the moon. There's 365 days in a year. That's the length of time that it takes the earth to revolve around the sun. But where does the week come from? Scientifically, there's no real basis for the week. We believe that biblically it comes right back from the creation account in the book of Genesis in chapter 1 and 2. And, And there we're told that after God, the first great worker in this world, after God had made everything that we can see, God stopped from his work. He rested from his work. Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3 tell us that after God took a step back, he looked at everything he'd made, he saw that it was all beautiful, very good, ordered and in its right place. Then he rested. He stopped. Now, just think about that for a moment. God isn't someone who needs to rest like you or like me. God doesn't get tired. God's mental capacity doesn't kind of get to its limit and run out. God doesn't need to take a break and think about something different. God didn't do this because he needed to rest. God did this because he was setting a pattern for us. He was giving us an example. He was showing us that as our creator, he knows how his creatures work best. 
That it's the one who is given the gift of life. He knows how life is to work best. God wants us to rest. He knows that we need to rest physically from our work. He knows that we need to take a break mentally from our work. And God has given us this day, one day a week, a wonderful gift to free us from our work. Now, of course, God wants us to work. It's part of his design for us as human beings, uh, as Christians. Uh, We're told that throughout the Bible, but in the New Testament, we're told uh, that we're not to work, uh, as it were, for ultimately for our human managers or supervisors or bosses. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord, our master. We're working for him. We're working with his eyes on us. But God too knows that work can become all-consuming, can take over our lives. And so God has given us this day to rest. And I want to pause there and just remind you that that aspect of the fourth commandment is a wonderfully liberating and freeing aspect. You see, our society, we live in a society that needs rest. I was looking up some reports before, uh, or as I was writing this uh, talk, and in one of those reports, it was talking about uh, why workers in Britain are absent from their workplace. In the the wider UK, 12% of workplace absences are because people are stressed or have some sort of mental, mental health problem. In Northern Ireland, that figure triples. It's over 34% of cases Uh, The people are absent from work, and it's because of stress-related illness. For the civil service alone, uh, that cost them £11 million in 2017. That was the, the last year that I could find these figures for. But our society, we live in a society, don't we, that is technologically advancing, and that's a wonderful thing. We've got smartphones in our pockets, and we can get our emails on those. We can log in with our emu tokens at home. We've got remote working access to our systems 24-7. And that's great. It gives us so much more flexibility, so many more options in how we work. But it can also bring, as you know, a greater expectation from your employer that you're going to work 24-7, that you're always going to be available, that when you get emailed on a, a Saturday night, that your boss is expecting a reply in their inbox on Monday morning when they get in. But God has given us this day, he has put a ring around it on our calendar that we can shut off, that we can turn things off and that we can instead be freed from our work. Maybe you're here uh, this afternoon and you're a manager in your workplace or you've got staff who work for you underneath you and I want you to see that uh, the fourth commandment has something to say to you in that specific role as well. Uh, We're told here that uh, on it, You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant. And people who owned farms in Israel were responsible for making sure that even the farmhands didn't have to go out to work. And you as a manager, well, you've got to try and encourage your staff. What a witness that could be to those who aren't yet Christians, that they are freed from the stress, from the pressure that other bosses might put them under, but that they are freed on this day. Perhaps they're not going to worship God, but they're freed to live as the Creator wants them to live. And so we're to rest on Sundays. But there's a second thing I want you to see here. Uh, it's not about resting, it's about remembering. Because why does God want us to rest? Yes, He has 
our health in mind, but it's not mainly about our work-life balance. We rest from our work so that we can remember God's work. We're freed from our work to worship. We think about what God has done. And specifically, we think about two things that God has done. Firstly, we think about God's work of creation. That's what the commandment points us back to in verse 11. It says, Therefore, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I wonder if you ever stop to think about that. I'm sure you do uh, at different points in your life. But do you ever stop to think about the fact that God made everything we can see? God didn't need to do that. He exists, as you know, as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And as God existed before time and creation was, he existed in a relationship within the Godhead with, with Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect joy and happiness and harmony. He didn't need to make this world to have a sense that he was going to be completed. He didn't need this, to make this world to fulfill his desires or himself. Why did God make this world? The Bible tells us in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. God made this world so that people like us would see how wonderful, how glorious, how strong and how powerful that he is. So we look at the animals in this world, we see evidence of design, often being fitted for their habitat. As we look at the trees and the mountains and the valleys, we see God's power and immense wisdom in all that he has made. That's part of our worship of God. It's looking around this world and praising him for all that he's made. But there's a second thing that God has done that we're to remember. And that is God's work of redemption. God's work of redemption. Think about where the people of Israel are at this point in their history. They've just crossed the Red Sea. They've just come out of the land of Egypt. And there they worked for tyrannical slave drivers. Uh, their, their masters were harsh. They owned next to nothing. They were slaves. Yet God had made them freed men and women. God had freed them from the bondage of slavery. He'd miraculously brought them out of Egypt. He'd given them where he was going to give them. He'd promised them their own land, their own space, their own possessions. God had freed them from slavery. And so week by week, God wanted them to remember all that he had done. In fact, that that was the whole purpose of bringing them out of Egypt, wasn't it? You remember that when God sent Moses to speak to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh that he was to let God's people go, that he was to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, that they may worship me. And that's why God had brought this people out of the land of Egypt in order that they would be free to worship him. And so we see that uh, as these people live in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, and as their children then are raised in the wilderness, God comes just before they enter the land of Israel, and he comes and restates these 10 commandments. And as he restates the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he changes the emphasis slightly. No longer is he pointing back to creation, but now he points back to redemption. 
We see that if we just read verse 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. As God gives them the Sabbath command, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, it's easy for us to see the spiritual application for us, isn't it? God has brought us out, not from being physical slaves to Egypt, but God has brought us out from the slavery that we were under to self, to sin, to Satan. Formerly, we lived to please ourselves. We did things that we wished we didn't. Our lives were out of control, but God came and broke those chains. God gave us a new heart and a new life if we're Christians here this afternoon. We don't, we're not perfect, but we are redeemed people. That's why we worship God on Sunday rather than Saturday, as these Jews would have. Because on that day, we're remembering the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he came and lived and died, and then as he rose again on Sunday morning. And we're remembering that he has broken the chains of sin and ultimately of death. Now for Israel and for these people, that meant that week by week they had to prepare themselves to worship God. God had graciously provided food for them in the, in the wilderness as they're receiving these Ten Commandments. And You remember that morning by morning they would go out and gather up manna. God sent this down from heaven. It was like bread from heaven. And on the sixth day of the week, they were to go out and gather twice as much as normal. Every day, they were only to gather as much as they needed that day. And God told them if they gathered more than that, that it would rot and go off by the next morning. But on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much so that they were free to worship God, to focus all their energies on worshiping God. Now, that needed faith for these people. They had to believe that God, as he said he would, would keep that manna from rotting on the seventh day. And perhaps you often feel under pressure when Sunday rolls around. You've worked hard all week, but there's still things to do, things at the bottom of your to-do list that you just didn't get to. There's pressure from your boss. You know that you want to go the extra mile and get these things done, and you feel you should work on a Sunday. Maybe skip church that week. It needs faith from you to believe that God will bless you. God will bless even your work as you obey his command, as you step back in freedom, and as you spend time worshipping him with his people, remembering all that he has done. But I want you to see the third thing here very quickly about the Sabbath day. And that is that the Sabbath day is a day of rejoicing. It's a day of rejoicing. Sunday is a wonderfully positive, freeing, and wonderful day. Now, it's often caricatured in our society as something that's not like that at all, isn't it? I was listening to Radio Ulster a few weeks ago, and William Crawley was hosting a phone-in, and it was about Sunday opening hours, and how they should be liberalised, and shops should be able to open as long as they want. And many people were phoning in, sort of talking about these religious zealots, you know, who want the swings in the park locked up on a Sunday, and want us to hark back to the 1950s, and painting this kind of caricature of what we believe about Sundays. And perhaps as Christians, though we don't consciously think about Sunday like that, subconsciously maybe that can seep into our mindsets and we end up defining Sunday not by what we do do but by what we don't do 
And rather than being a freeing day, it becomes a day that's binding about all the restrictions that we have placed on ourselves. Rather than a day to enjoy, it becomes a day to endure. One writer, Kevin DeYoung, talks about it like this. He says, when people think of the fourth commandment, they quickly jump to practical questions of scrupulosity. Can I go out to eat on Sunday? Can I watch football on Sunday? Do I have to take a nap on Sunday? Perhaps we do need to think through those questions practically, but that's not really the point, is it? The point is, God has freed us to worship him. That's why I don't know if you noticed as we read through those first four commandments, this is the first commandment that's framed positively. It's not a do not command. It's a remember command. It's a positive command that we're to do something. And God reminds us at the end of the commandment that there's a special blessing that he has attached to this day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And as God has set this day apart for his worship, we believe as Christians that he comes and meets with us as we gather with his people in a special way, Sunday by Sunday. And in that, God is giving us a picture of the rejoicing that is still to come for us as Christians. See, for Israel, Sabbath and and its idea of rest didn't only look back to what God had done for them in in Egypt and how he brought them out from slavery, but it looked forward to the time when they would be at rest in Israel, when they would be freed from having to fight against their enemies, drive out the, the inhabitants, the indigenous people in this land, and they'd be able to rest in this land. And for us as Christians... Sunday points us forward to the time when we will be free from battling against the remaining sin in our lives. And when we will be free to live in God's presence under his special blessing as he recreates this heavens and earth. And we live with him forever. And as we think back to how God has brought us out of slavery to sin, we think forward and rejoice in all that God is yet to do for us, in the eternal rest we will have with him in heaven forever. So this is our our fourth commandment. It points us to this. As we rest in God, as we remember what he's done, and as we rejoice ultimately in who he is in the gospel. Let's just pray together. Our Father, we thank you for all of your commandments, but we thank you this afternoon for the fourth commandment and for the the liberation that it brings us. We thank you that you know us so well, that you know that we need uh, this time away from work, that our bodies and minds need to rest. But Lord, we thank you that you know us so well, that you know that we need to take time to remember you. We're so quick to forget you and we confess that to you. And we pray that as we Uh, week by week, seek to set this day apart, that you would help us, that you would make us wise, that you'd help us to think positively about this day, and that as we meet with your people, that it would be a day of rejoicing in all that you've done and in who you are. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.